Doopy. Doopy up, bro. Doopy I'm super doopy dooped. Butterscotch shenanigans. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm the webs programmer. And I'm Sam, and I'm the vector art programmer. And before we get started, we have a warning. Anything could happen on this show, so if you are sensitive... Uh, if you are under the age of 18, I suppose, Yeah. Uh, just get out of here, leave. If you're a child, you shouldn't be listening. Nope. All right. So what's happening this week in is the world of Butterscotch? Adam's up here visiting in St. Louis. Again, Sam. yeah, in the last podcast I was here also. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then he went home. And, and then I just came right back. Came right back again. Like a maniac. Uh, but in the process of Adam leaving and coming back, Sam left and yep. didn't come back. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and, uh, uh, I'm over in the mountains in the East Coast. And, the yeah, and somehow we've we've all managed to experience some pretty zany and wacky global warming an- antics <laughs> over the past week. That's true. Uh, in, in our various musical cities game that we've been playing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Adam got... Adam was in Dallas. Yeah, so we suffered a bout of... Actually, the weather in Texas was very weird over the weekend. Yeah, over the last, last weekend, where I mean, across all of Texas, in a span of one day, it went from being basically 80 degrees, or you know, 85 degrees and super nice outside, to suddenly uh, being full of tornadoes and 20 degrees cooler, mm. to snowing in various parts of Texas and flooding in all the others. Weird. It all happened in the span of about forty-eight hours. That's usually what happens when you when you slam a cold front into some hotness. Tornado yeah. happens. Yeah, when you slap two fronts you get, together, you get yourself a goddamn twister. Yeah, man, you're gonna you slap your fronts together, and things are gonna get wet. Things will get twisted. Things will get <laughs> wet and uh, twisted. Yeah, and then over here in St. Uh, Louis right now, there's intense flooding happening. Uh, Ha- flooding hasn't been this bad here since 1982, and it's worse. But it's fortunately only happening in tents. Yeah, it's so it's if you were in a tent, then it's you're just fucked right then, now. Yeah, Very intense. Flooding. Yeah, because of the yeah. intense flooding. Um, yeah, nice one, Adam. <laughs> really, really, really nailed that, <laughs> Thanks, bro. Uh, yeah, and then also I had a I had a weird moment where uh, on December 26th, so the day after Christmas, I was. I was outside. I was going to the gym, and it was raining for three days nonstop here. Thunderstorms and everything, which is weird in the middle of December, where usually it would just be everything covered with snow. Yeah. Um. So these crazy intense thunderstorms. I walked through three inch deep water to in the parking lot to uh, get into the gym. Worked out in wet shoes, and then which is gross. Was going back home, and I had to fill my car up with gas. But it was nice enough outside still, temperature-wise, that I could just wear a t-shirt while while juicing up my hog. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was a bizarre. Seth is moment. A, he's one of the first hogger riders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he, it was juicing. You got to keep. Hog. You got to keep to keep the juice in your hog. Well, then, so I I got back uh, yesterday evening, and I called Seth this morning. To chat got up. back where, Sam? Where, well, where, are, you, back, where I, are you now? I, I was in the mountains of Vermont, which I've never been to. The before. Vermontans. The Vermontans. That's what they're known it's as. It's covered in maple syrup. It's a maple yeah. syrup mountain. Is Vermont, is that like a like a pseudonym for like Green Mountain? Like like Verd? I think it actually just means Verdant mountain. mountain? Oh. I think it just means very mountain. Very mountain. Very mountain. It's Vermont. <laughs> it's very mountain. The first settlers in Vermont arrived and they're like, hmm, this place very mountain. 
Or they're like, it's Vare Mountain. That's right. Yeah, it's yeah. Vare Mountain. I was, yeah. <laughs> Either they were cavemen or rednecks. You know, they're forest so, people. Uh, it was a mix of the two. <laughs> so we, we drove up there, and, you know, there's supposed to be snow on the mountains, especially we drove up on, on the day uh, before Christmas, Christmas Eve. Especially in winter. Yeah, especially in the dead of winter, there's supposed to be snow on the tops of the mountains, at least. I mean, they're they're not huge mountains, but they're, they are still mountains, and they have high enough ele- elevation that you'd think that would be happening. And we were going up there to ski. So that's like the point of the trip, right? Is to go go slap your slap your skis on some slopes. And uh, we're driving up, and we're just looking around. And there's you know about two hours in, we're getting closer and closer, and we're actually seeing the mountains, and we don't see any snow on them at all. Like even on the the peaks. Even on the peaks. So we're just driving up, and everything's green. It was like it was springtime or something. <laughs> and we finally get up to the resort or like the little ski area, hotel place, and. Uh, they only have two of the normal, like, 17 runs available to ski on because there's no snow. And apparently what they'd actually done was was when it had snowed, like, 10 days prior, it only snowed, like, six inches or so. But they took – they they take care of, like, dozing all of the snow out. And so they just collected all of it and then literally went and put it on the mountain so that they could at least have something – for people to ski on um <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't cold enough it has to be below 28 for them to make snow um because they have these big pipes that like so they, so they just carried snow and dumped it on the mountain. yeah because they couldn't even make oh, snow because it was so warm and then the craziest thing was so they only had these two runs open and they had actually had like 50 percent cancellations for this week because of course everybody who's going to go up was like i'm not going to go visit not this place when i can ski, ski on rocks and right. dirt so half the people canceled but they are down you know, way more than half of the runs. And so as a result, the runs are actually totally packed with people skiing. Just like everybody was only on these two particular runs that you could go down. Yeah. And so what happened very quickly is at the top of the mountain, they had one run that was open at the top of the mountain, which is very hard, and then uh, it fueled, it came down and fueled into the, the smaller run that was available to bottom, easier one. And what happened very quickly is that the run at the top actually turned into basically like a sheet of ice. <laughs> because everybody was just packing it down. Yeah, it's warm enough, and, it's and there's so enough. Good. Yeah, and there's enough skiers. They just turn it into a sheet of ice, and so it was actually like skidding down the mountain. Like, it was, <laughs> like your, your your skis were actually skip as you went. Like they were just jumping over ice. Uh, it was really intense. Very fun. Um, and we basically wow. ended up just focusing on on our tricks. So I was I was trying. I had little stunt skis, and I I had learned how to do uh like where you spin around the three sixty three sixty three sixty no scope. So I did some some of those on the mountain. Uh. And then I was trying to show off for my fiance, so she was just a little bit behind me, and I went off the side of the run where it says like caution, you know, don't go here. And before I even continue, I just want to tell our our listeners that it's universally a bad idea to try to show off while skiing. Yeah, it, well, here's here's what <laughs> happened. So so I go I go flying into this little it's like a ditch basically. It's it's got snow. In it. I go flying into it, um, and then I I curve back out to come out of the ditch to jump basically. And I I don't actually know how to do this. I have no practice in doing this. so. Hit the jump, and I decided before I went on this run that I was going to practice actually jumping with my legs when I hit one of these small ramps. So I do this, and I go what what feels like you know ninety feet in the air, it's probably like six inches or so. Uh, my my brain, <laughs> yeah, you probably didn't go ninety feet. <laughs> no, my brain just totally freaked out though. So like I didn't I didn't have any in air control, and so I just went I went. Did you just kind of go ragdoll? <laughs> uh, well, yeah. So I went flying out, and my center of gravity just of course went like backward behind me. Uh, and I just completely landed on my ass as my fiance was, you know, going by. And she she didn't actually realize it was me until she saw me flying through the air. And apparently, what is a hold the way I held my butt? She was like, I didn't know that was you until I saw you flying, uh, you know, to your ass. And 
realized that that was like the way you would fly. That's like your <laughs> your gait suggests Sam's that, trademark. Yeah, flash uh, <laughs> out ragdoll. Flag. So, uh, so that was embarrassing. But you know, I don't care. It was great. And then it was actually so cold the last day we were there. Uh, I was going down the mountain. That little that final run, and I was just decided to go as fast as I could. And so I did that thing where you like square down on your skis and you get down super low and just fly down this thing. And I actually gave myself a uh, a brain freeze from like the yeah. air whipping around my head for so long. Oh, you froze your brain from the outside. Yeah, not from like a popsicle, but from the air itself, uh, which was something to recover from afterward. But it was a great trip. It was really fun. Well, damn. You know, (laughs) all I can say about all this is it's a good thing that global warming isn't real because if it was, we'd be experiencing all of these things that we're talking about. Yeah. So. Yeah. You're um, right. Yeah. So it's all made up. It's a a relief that all of the evidence point towards there not being global. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And whatever evidence there is, it's it's anecdotal. Mm -hmm. All of it. Just like these three stories. I mean, how could they possibly be connected? They're all all anecdotes. So therefore, you know, you can't, you can't really use them um and otherwise we just wrapped up crashlands beta yeah in manner of speaking you want to talk about that adam while sure, i stand up for it. a moment because yeah. my legs are falling asleep <laughs> we're uh yeah we're sitting down um cross-legged or on our knees next to this laptop and we're too old for for that kind of shit but you also, put on the table we are have these little tiny earbuds and i don't have any ear flaps to hold them in so i also have to hold the earbud into my ear hole with my hand <laughs> so it's it's not an optimal setup, but you know, it just is what it is. But back to, to beta. Back to beta. So the story here is that we, you know, we started the beta, I guess, four and a half weeks ago. Mm-hmm. November, tw- November, November, November 17, tw- I believe. Uh, so yeah, so we started the beta and we, we knew it was going to be about four weeks, but we didn't really know exactly how long it was, you know, depend of course on how much feedback we got. We got a ton of feedback and a lot of it was really good. A lot of it caused some pretty radical changes actually to the game. Um, but those are all now basically just cleared. We've, we've gone through the list of all of the major changes that we agreed with and wanted to implement for the, for launch anyway. And those are all done. We've fixed. I think we ended up with a good 25 pages of patch notes. Yeah, lots of so. patch notes. Uh, we have, so Seth has managed to fix basically every remaining little bug and stuff in the, in the current patch that we're working on, the final patch. Uh, and now it's just a lot of like just tiny, tiny cleanup stuff. I mean, and it's a long list of tiny stuff, but none of it. None of it's a really big deal. It's just a bunch of, you know, things that have to get done. So what that means is that we no longer need the huge amount of feedback and and all that from from our players. And in fact, our our testers uh, appear to be very aware of this and have kind of slowed down on on playtesting as well. So kind of the whole thing is just wound down. Well, and they don't want to play it too much because they want to all replay it when it launches. Yeah, when the game actually launches. So... So, yeah, so things are, are wound down, and today actually is the official graduation day um, mm. for the beta. So so all of our testers who put in some time and, uh, and you know, reported on how well things work on their devices and all that uh, will be official graduates. And they'll all be in the credits. Yeah, they'll all in be in the, the credits. Um, so, yeah, so that's where, that's where we are now. And what that also means is that things are going to be pretty quiet for a, three weeks. For three weeks. Until launch, yeah. Seth, you're yanking, you're yanking my, my earbud out. Oh, sorry. Quit yanking on his earbud. Oh, this is a, this is a nightmare. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so for about three weeks, it's going to be super quiet. We launch in four weeks? Yeah, we launch in four yeah. weeks, which is crazy. Three weeks from Thursday. Three weeks from Thursday. Oh, so it's going to be really quiet until the press stuff starts because we don't, I mean, we don't, now the game is done, we don't have much else to say about it that we haven't already said uh, until it goes live. Wait, I have one thing to say. Seth. What, Seth? Jesus. Good job, guys. We did it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey. Oh, it took two years. Yeah. Uh, we're, yeah, we're pretty excited about this. 
upcoming situation. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And I think the so the next step we'll be working on is uh, uh, internally is various updates to Bscotch ID and also to other fun sort of backend stuff. Uh, and then all of the PR and contact wind up. So if you're fans of Crashlands and fans of our work and you have particular YouTubers or streamers who you like, uh, go ahead and tweet at them the trailer of Crashlands just because just having them having having them have seen the trailer before we send them a cold email uh, might actually help us a lot as far as uh, them paying attention. So Yeah, so uh, just yell at everyone. Yeah, just yell, yell Crashlands at everyone's uh, Yeah, if there's people you're fans of, go ahead and do that for us. That'd be a huge help. It'd be super cool. I did see a great uh, video that that some guy posted. He tweeted at us. Um, he's got a small channel where he just does some some mobile game stuff, mm-hmm. and he posted about his his three most highly anticipated games coming up. And so he started with these two others, and then uh, and then he ended it with uh, with Crashlands. But the way he introduced it was he goes, and uh, last but not least is uh, my most highly anticipated game of the year. And then he just put the clip, Sam, of you screaming. <laughs> Uh, awesome yeah we're trying to figure it out when he was when he was talking about it in his video i saw he kind of ran into the same problem uh that we have been running into which is how to describe it yeah uh he was like oh man it's amazing it's like it's gonna be like there's creature taming it's an rpg it's an adventure there's stories there's crafting and base building and uh, he's just like he just kept listing all kinds of stuff um, Which is always what we've done in the past. Yeah, yeah, but but clearly he couldn't like he couldn't quite pin it down in a genre, which I think is good um, in terms of it being its own unique thing. But it does make it hard to. It makes yeah, it hard I think to describe to I was about. thinking about maybe. I mean, how do, what do you guys think about calling it in a story-driven adventure crafting RPG? Is that just too many damn? I mean, I feel like that's that sums it up pretty well. It's like it, you know. That sounds good. Okay, we'll use that. From here on. Well, so the other thing is I posted, I actually posted uh, one of our friends, the guys who make Simple Planes, which, by the way, you guys should get on. It's available on Steam and on Google Play and iTunes. Uh, it's a, you build your own planes and fly them around. And it's simple. Uh, and it's simple. They, uh, so they just launched Simple Planes on Steam two weeks ago, and we had a really fun chat with them about their launch and, and kind of how they how they handled things, and they suggested that we put our trailer up on on r slash uh, videos on Reddit, and they're like, yeah, we got like a lot of traction there because our trailer was funny. And we're like, well, people think our trailer's funny. So just randomly, I threw it up there. Some people, though, get really mad about our trailer. <laughs> I mean, you know you're doing something right on the internet. You're interneting correctly if you get hate mail. I think it's just, yeah, it's just what, the, what the state thinks is, you know? So we got or at to- the very least, you are existing. Yeah, I was going to say, you're, <laughs> you're getting hate mail. Yeah. <laughs> so we posted the trailer on, uh, on the r slash video subreddit. And it didn't make it to the front page of Reddit, but it got to the top position on... Uh, on the videos subreddit and ended up getting another almost doubled the amount of views. There were over 115,000 views, I think, on the trailer. Um, Pretty good. Which is awesome. So there's a lot more people who have seen it. Uh, In the next one, we are working on another trailer, which will be similarly ridiculous um, for launch, actually. So that's something fun to look forward to. Cool. So other than that, uh, we wanted to maybe... So when we first started doing the podcast, we would always spend a little bit of time each episode talking about some other games that we've been playing. Games that weren't our games. Yeah. And just to kind of talk a little bit about the mechanics in those games and what makes them interesting or not interesting. Uh, So we wanted to bring that segment back. And that segment is called 
here's some games that we're playing. Let's talk about it. <laughs> we, uh, thought, we thought long and hard about the name. Especially, 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 and Adam and I both over this uh, past week, since it's, it's been Christmas time, there's been family around, and we haven't gotten to uh, got a lot of work, get a lot of work done. So we've been digging through our Steam libraries, yeah. which are overflowing with things that we haven't, games we well, haven't finished. Well, not only that, or, it's, the, it's the winter Steam sale. Yeah, yeah. I actually need to go get some stuff. So everything yeah. is $1 for some reason. Yeah, I bought, uh, I bought some games for real cheap. Yeah, so... Uh, so let's let's talk about some of the some of the games that we've been playing. Okay, All right. uh, let's talk about Magicite. Yeah, Magicite. So so I my wife and I played this a couple weeks ago, and then Sam and I played it when I was in St. Louis this last time. And uh, it's a it's it's probably been out for a year, I think. I think it was in early access for a while on Steam. And it's a what would you call it? It's a it's a roguelike. It's yeah. a roguelike, roguelike platformer. Platformer. Yeah, with a with a sort of. Crafting based crafting component, yeah. So you you progress, you do it. There's a leveling system and all that, but you also progress through crafting, where you have to chop down trees and uh, harvest ore to build weapons and armor and and so on. And it's a, it's actually kind of a fun mix because the the crafting itself is actually super simple. There aren't that many things you even can craft. But instead of just having the sort of the normal RPG style where you kill a thing and loot pops out, and then it's either usually worse but sometimes better. Right, has some like interesting traits or something. Uh, instead of doing that, they basically just had to, added this extra thing that you have to do, which is this very simple crafting. And so it feels like you. It basically makes it feel like you do work to to get the in the, a good way or in a bad. Actually, way? in a good in a good way. way. It's, yeah. it's so simple, and hmm. it actually doesn't. And it doesn't feel very grindy because it's still most of the focus is on is still on like the random bigger drops, right? So you actually don't need that many of anything, but all the things are kind of rare. And so if you play through a few levels, you're likely to find the kind of stuff you need to continue progressing. So this, I think, is really interesting because uh, for those of you who are listening who saw the talk that I gave about automated crafting systems, um, this might sound a little bit familiar. But Which I believe you can find it on our YouTube channel. It's on our YouTube channel. Yeah. yeah. Um, but basically, so what I find interesting about that fact that that finding all these different resources and slapping them together to make something like that uh, it makes it feel like you're doing work and like you're you're producing something cool out of real parts and stuff yeah um but what like when it comes to a crafting game like this what if you had something like okay so in diablo you get gold from everything mm-hmm. right yeah um, so imagine if nothing, if no items ever dropped other than gold, right? And you just bought items with that gold, right? right. That becomes a lot less interesting somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, even though effectively it's the same, right? Yeah, Which is you, like you just you're just right. getting stuff out of enemies and parts and stuff that you are then exchanging for an item. And but even in Diablo and in similar games, most of the things that drop, which aren't gold. Right, but most yeah. of those things you then convert into gold through a merchant, so that you can use them to buy better stuff. Right. Yeah. So somehow those things being sort of abstracted in another layer into basically a, a multiple forms of currency, which is all resources are in a game, right? There's like if you have like fifty different types of resources, really there's just fifty different types of currency that you use yeah. to to quote buy stuff through your crafting menu in different ways. Right. Um, but that those different levels of rarity and like different ways to get those currencies is what makes the crafting interesting. Yeah. Well, I think the interesting thing I found about playing Magicite so. It's the the huge drawback I see with it is actually that uh, the UI that they built for handling the inventory and for handling the crafting is you know as our our chief goal was with Crashlands to remove um, the UI that they built is so uh, 
terrible, I guess. <laughs> it is, it's a clunky UI. So, like, so yeah, I have yet to see a good one, though, Frank. Well, so in this case, I mean, you don't, so you don't actually know what the recipes are that you need to do. Uh, yeah, that was actually the thing is, is which, when I played it for the first time, because it's, it's very hard in the, and it's, it's all randomly generated, but it's not randomly generated with any sort of like difficulty curve intention. So it's just randomly difficult effectively. So I found that the very beginning, because I didn't know any recipes, it was literally impossible and very frustrating. Did you have to look it up? Yeah, I basically, yeah. I went and memorized yeah, all the so I, recipes. I tried it. to play Magicite for about a half an hour. But I couldn't figure out how to craft anything. So that's exactly at all. yeah, exactly. And then I so, was like, well, whatever. Yeah, they don't they don't have a recipe list, so you don't actually know what the hell to do. Which if you did, even just to start, like how to basically craft a thing, um, it would help a ton. And instead, they try to. It seems like the way that the crafting works is actually you can only you only use two components, and they have to be in separate slots in your inventory. So even if it's a case that it's, that it's literally the recipe is like wood plank plus wood plank, you have to first split your stack of wood planks. Which they don't tell you how to do. So you gotta like, I think it's right click or shift click or something, um, which is co- just splits it completely in half, and then put that in a separate inventory slot, and then you have to shift click on both of those items <laughs> at the same time, and that will combine them. But it doesn't tell you that it will combine all of them into yeah, the whole that stack. new thing. So <laughs> suddenly you've created like eighty sword handles when you just wanted to make one. <laughs> yeah. And you Man, can't. This, this reminds me of. So I, I tried to play Minecraft when it first came out like five years ago or whatever. Yeah. And I had the same problem with the crafting because once again, you have to, you have to actually lay out individual components in a pattern in order to build something. Um, Terraria does the same thing where you just have to have the particular components in your inventory and then it shows you what you can build out of those. But at no point do you get to see what's possible to build. Right. right. I have to wonder, because whenever, whenever I play a space game, I'm always pissed off at how, abundantly overcomplicated every interface element is. <laughs> but that just seems like a like a constant feature of space games. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it just the case that people have just somehow sort of implicitly decided that crafting games should never tell you how to make stuff? Is that <laughs> Well, I think part of it is, is like, a thing. Well, part of it I think is if you if they're going for their survival feel, right? Uh, part of the thrill supposedly of that particular form of gaming is essentially in the figuring out of how or what to combine that sort of thing, right? But the reality is... Is it, though? Yeah, that, that's my point. I think, <laughs> I think the reality is that it's less interesting to struggle to figure out how to build a damn wood plank than it is to figure out what you're going to do with that wood plank later. Like, essentially plan and forecast for the future and then, you know, work on completing that plan. Like, yeah, that's well, and it's, it's so binary, too, because either you have things set up properly to make the wood plank or you don't. It's not like you can make half of a wood plank on accident and be like, ooh, I'm on the right track now. If I do this other thing, <laughs> right, I can finish right. making, you know. Yeah. It's it's either you've just accidentally randomly assemble things correctly or nothing happens at yeah, all. Yeah, I find that similar right. in Minecraft as well because Minecraft, like Seth noted, you have to actually put stuff in sort of the right orientation so that they kind of, it's almost like you draw a picture using components of the thing you want to make. Yeah. yeah. But of course, there are a jillion ways to draw any particular thing. And so even once I had figured out how to do something, it was actually very hard for me to remember exactly the right way to orient it. Because I was like, right. you, you can basically make something that's, that's sort of shaped like an H or shaped like a U or shaped like an N. And like one of those might make something, another one might make something else. I think like a U shape is like a vest and a, an N is pants. Right. Or something. Well, if it's if it's a certain kind of resource, otherwise, and then an H shape is either a ladder or armor. Wait, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. An N is pants. An N is a, like lowercase a lowercase N. N, like basically like a hump. A hump, like legs go oh, okay, down okay, and sure. then across the top, and then 
Because it's it's a three by three grid. I was thinking a capital N, and I was like, "What is this pants as viewed from like thrown on the floor with both <laughs> legs out?" And it's just like a messy <laughs> tangle of iron pants. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think yeah. the other thing I noticed about Magisite, um, well, I mean, I think they did a lot of things right because I mean, Adam and I, once we got into it, and just enjoyed the shit. I played it for about yeah, it was basically well. Yeah. I mean, Minecraft is the same. Tries once you get past having to Google how to do absolutely everything in the game. Yeah, then it's super fun. Once you know how to play it, then it's fun. But, <laughs> right. why, but yeah, think, why do these games just make no effort? Like, what's Yeah, the- I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I think I do think part of it is they, they fall on the idea that this survival genre is like what you're supposed to do. In some sense. Like, it's supposed to be, oh, I can't, how, what, what do I combine to make the next thing? Um, which I personally think is just kind of useless. But uh, but I think a, a further point in talking about Magisite, and Adam and I both had this feeling, you know, for those of you who played Narwhal online or have seen the video of it, the game we made for a game jam uh, last year, which was a roguelike, um, you know, our, our next plan is to make some sort of roguelike as our next sort of larger uh, title. And we've talked about kind of various ways, various game loops to build in so that so that you get that feeling of always progressing, even though your character's being uh, straight up murdered every single time. Um, well, and we already have that with like Quadrupus Rampage, right? Where there's, right. there's the metagame progression that, yeah, you die every time. But you actually level up outside of the game. Yeah, there's the masteries, the upgrades, the pets. Right. Yeah. And one interesting thing about Magisite, so it is a roguelike, um, and it's 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 more pure in the sense that you 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 can unlock new character types, like new races to play as, uh, and unlock new hats and stuff, which give you sort of it's a sort of really soft external meta game that you don't actually have much control of because yeah. all those changes are done via essentially by achievements of some sort inside of the game. Um, but one thing I thought that they that they could have done, they should have done. So in between each level, uh, so you run around, you like chop your trees down, whatever you fight stuff, and you get to the end. And when you get to the end, you go through a door, and it takes you to what essentially is a little town. Yeah. And I think narratively, it's supposed to be the idea that you're like you're kind of going through. It's not. It's it's basically the same town over and over again, which is fine. Um. But it's essentially like you're kind of hopping between these settlements, and oh, they all, you know they all have like a blacksmith and a, uh, like all these various characters and that sort of thing who all have their shops. And I was like, how cool would it have been if kind of like in, in a sense, in uh, like Rogue Legacy, if you actually got to build up that town permanently. Yeah, upgrade right? the town. Yeah, exactly. Which would upgrade the stuff you can get, which would let you get further and further. That sort of thing. And there's just none of that. And yeah, instead, it's kind of, isn't it like uh, you have a, a picture of a castle or something? In Rogue Legacy, it's just, yeah. It's yeah. just kind of like a talent tree, basically. Yeah. And in that one, um, I mean, I think we've talked about Rogue Legacy a little bit before. Uh, but that one, like, their loops get so weird and long because of their whole gold-stealing mechanic that <laughs> yeah. it becomes basically impossible. But, I mean, they at least had the idea there, which is this, you know, it'd give you this feeling of of upgrading the town from which you're going to. And yeah, so you, do, you don't feel like you're starting from scratch every time. Well, it's, also, it's also a way yeah. to make the, the game loops a little bit less naked, you yeah. know? Like, yeah. instead of just, like, I have spent... XP on a progress bar, and now I have bigger numbers. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, the blacksmith now has better tools to build you better weapons with, or whatever. So yeah. it's you know, it's a little bit more uh, lore rich, right? Instead, yeah, it, of just it starts building out a bit more of a world, right? Um, and I think that's that was my one uh, besides the the UI and the sort of complete opaqueness with regard to their recipe system. Um, I, I I think I just wish they did more with it because I think. Is it an early exit? No, it's it's out. It's no, it's out. out. I mean, he's he's not working on anymore. He's working on another title called. Ruined but I, I'm pretty sure because it came up in my Steam queue over and over again for a long time. I think Same here. Yeah, on policy, I don't I don't play early access games, <laughs> so uh, so I'm pretty sure because the whole every time I saw it, I was like, oh, this looks interesting. But I I think it was in early access for a long time yeah. or something. Well, speaking of policies, 
I have a new policy. What's that, that, Seth? So a a few days ago, I was like, I'm going to download a few mobile games because I haven't I haven't really been done any mobile gaming in ever. Yeah, so, I haven't for a long time. Uh, so I started looking through the list, and I, I downloaded a bunch, and I was playing through them, and I, I just went kind of through sort of the top charts area to yeah. see, you know, what was what was trending. Um, this is on Google Play. And every single one I played was extraordinarily simple, no depth whatsoever, and just begging for money constantly. Yep. Um, and I was just like, what in the hell? And then I realized, oh, right, I just downloaded a bunch of free games. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, of course, you know, we always are talking about how, you know, people need to be more willing to spend money on the things that they like. And I was like, shit, I'm part of the problem here. Like, I, just, I, just, I was like, I want to play some games. I just downloaded a bunch of garbage and then deleted it off my phone in, in 10 minutes. Yep. Um, so I just, I just decided that I'm not going to download free games mobile games anymore yeah. if i want to play a mobile game i'm gonna i'm gonna check out the reviews and buy it that's good so only, i'm only gonna be looking at the paid charts um and i think it basically comes down to the question of whether or not the game has in-app purchases that break the game's loops yeah like i'm also okay with uh with like downloading a free game that has like a, a full full version upgrade concept or whatever because that's just like a one-time thing but yeah I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, games where you have to where you have to continue paying forever to play the game as it was meant to be played are are garbage. I have no, that's fair. I have no interest in that unless <laughs> unless it's a it, like it's different in the case of like an MMO or something where there's a whole server architecture that's be maintained and where where I feel well, see, like even even in those you know I I will I will not play one unless there's a subscription. Yeah. You know, right. just like because that that exists outside of the game's mechanics, outside right. of the loops. You're just paying for access. You're not paying like to become the best at the game or right. whatever. Um, yeah, because so in that context, it makes sense. It's basically it's basically like paying to unlock. And yeah, you have to do it as as a subscription, but it makes sense because of what the game. It's is. expensive to run the game. It's expensive yeah. for the developers to run the game. Right. Uh, but yeah, so I it actually has been the case that I in the past anyway, but don't really play free to play games. Right. Um, but all the games that I play regularly that I actually enjoy are games that I had to actually pay for. And I, and I actually had once, maybe a, I guess about a year ago, on Steam, I suddenly started noticing that all of a sudden a bunch of things are free to play on Steam now. Yep. And it's getting to be, they're getting to be a lot more of them. And for a while I was trying a few of them because I was like, oh, these kind of look interesting. But universally and without fail, they were worse than games that you buy up front. Yeah. That's Every fair. fucking time there was, you know, there are a few exceptions for MMOs. I think maybe but those same. MMOs I think some good. some MOBAs are, yeah. you know, are good. Well, I think and I, yeah, and we, I think all MOBAs use a free to play model. They do, yeah. We've talked about this before a bit, which is that uh, I, I mean, I, I'm not. So I think in the case of free to play mobile games, if you're talking about like multiplayer games, so Clash of Clans actually is a good example. Um, yeah. Games that have a multiplayer component built in, I think, in in my mind, have a natural complexity and interestingness to them. That makes it so that if they're free to play, who gives a shit, right? Which is why MOBAs work as free to play because while they completely lack any sort of depth as far as uh, lore goes or any sort of you know world building, because they literally can't in a MOBA context because all that exists is the arena. Um, well, Clash as, of as Clans is though is timer based, right? Like you have to pay sort of like you know dollars per day to get rid of timers. Isn't that... I think I think there's yeah, like you get timers gems. on building stuff and yeah. But pretty, I, much, so, pretty much every aspect of the game. So to me, is like monetized. if that was a subscription thing, where it was like, okay, you're gonna pay five, ten, whatever dollars a month to play that game, then I would say, like, okay, that's fair. I, I can decide yes or no. I'm willing to spend that much money 
right. for because um, yeah, I totally honestly, agree. if Clash of Clans was a subscription game, I'd play it. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, well, yeah, but I think the the point there that though is that the the free to play game that has a multiplayer component, I think naturally is going to have enough complexity in my mind to warrant uh, or to be enjoyable to play because of the fact that it has people involved. Whereas if you're going uh, look at I don't, it, I don't understand what does it have to do with free to play? Because if it's a free to play mobile game that is strictly single player, then I think that's where because what Seth was talking about where he's like, oh, there's like no depth here of mechanics, and they're just asking me for money constantly. And there's not much there's not much rich interaction going on. My argument's that in a multiplayer context. So you're um, saying it's worth the all the other horrible stuff if it's a rich enough game. Uh, if I'm saying that multiplayer as an aspect of the game can add a level of richness to it that makes it so it's, it feels totally worth it to do the free play thing. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I would say maybe. Like, I, like, to I me, still I, agree I, that I would, it would, I would be better. Argue, yeah. I would argue very differently, which is that the reason that a uh, multiplayer game, like a, an online MMO-style game, mm-hmm. or one where you have to, like, find competitors amongst a huge list, right, those make sense as free to play just to maintain a large player base. Right. That, that to me, makes sense. And, and if you have some sort of a payment model that is... That allows a player to say, here's the level of commitment I have to this game, right? And sort of mark it by buying a thing. So if you look at like MOBAs, if you look at League of Legends, where you can say, I fucking love this game. I want to have access to these particular characters that I otherwise wouldn't have access to, right. you know, permanently. Then you go spend the five bucks or whatever to buy that thing. And then, yeah, you like over years, you either buy all of them or a handful or, or, or none, right? But you, you get to have the exact same gameplay experience otherwise as everybody else in terms of your, you know, minute-to-minute gameplay right, right, yeah, uh, stuff is, is the same. But when you play something like Clash of Clans, your gameplay is literally different from somebody else if you have it thrown down $100 today. True. Right. <laughs> right? It's like, no, that's very true. And, and, I, and I can't just play that game and be like, okay, I'm willing to commit $10 to this game and then feel like I'm not being bothered by the game anymore to give them even more money. Well, yeah, because the, the $10, that's just like seed money. Yeah, exactly. Like, like you, can't, you can't just go, I'm willing to spend 10 bucks on this game and then no more. Yeah. Because that'll get you started. Yeah. But then there's so much more stuff you would need to pay for. And so I think, and, and what that comes up to then is that there's a kind of game that's that's not actually free to play. It's, it's, it's possible to pay infinite money into. Right. Or at least really vast sums of money, you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars a month, kind of, kind of money. And I, and to me, like on that sh- that that kind of game, I am not willing to play. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's period. Uh, what? We had a, we have a, a friend here who I I won't name, but who uh, was a big fan of Puzzle and Dragons when that game was cruising around in the top charts. Yeah. Um, but he, Which actually, I played it a little bit. It was it was pretty fun. It's a pretty good game. Yeah. Uh, but he confessed to me that. He had to quit playing it because he had spent over six hundred and fifty dollars in it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which just and it was just be... like every time he booted it up, he was throwing money down. Well, I think so. This I I was thinking about this this weekend when I was I've been trying to figure out how to basically what what stuff uh, for the new year. One of my resolutions is to essentially you know spend less money on stuff and get get more get more of a stable financial situation going. Um, and so I was just trying to think about, and I think Seth or Adam, one of you had asked about this uh, even just like a week ago, where I had the realization that there's no way that you can actually get completely free of like the month-to-month payments that you have to make for various things in life. Yeah, your, like, there's your life no, has a subscription service fee. <laughs> well, yeah, it has being like a alive. free to play. Being <laughs> being alive, alive. Where it's like, I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about groceries, I'm talking about... Being like, alive is not free to play. No, but I'm talking about like if you, 
like it's buying infinitely a house. pay to play as we just it's also right it's like clash of clans it's like clash of clans <laughs> because i was like i want okay the next thing i want to do is like get a get a house that i actually own because that way i both have you know that that sunk capital in a thing uh, which yeah. is cool but then also my you know monthly payments will be lower for various things and i was like well there's still property tax insurance even if you totally take care of the payment of the thing in one go and maintenance and everything else yeah and then i was like shit like i'm never there's never going to be a time where i'm able to just not pay anybody like there's not a there's not a level cap i guess which is what i was kind of i don't know why but i always thought that was the case like you could just be like (laughs) if you made it enough you could just like be done having to deal with things no there is no end game level cap well i mean there is in the sense that if you if you have enough money so that it's just generating money on its own then it will then it will take care of all of those yeah you'll be effectively spending nothing yeah because on balance, you know, you you as a human will have to do literally nothing. But you'll still need to think about it. Yeah, that's, about yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you never get to stop worrying about whether or not someone is stealing your money or whether you're going to have enough or whether you have enough insurance to cover all the horrible shit that can happen, like global warming and cancer. <laughs> you just... Shit happens. Yeah. You just you just got to keep playing the, playing the game. Well, anyway, on that note, let's get to some questions. <laughs> Uh, so every every week we answer questions from our players and listeners uh, through podcast.bscotch.net. And they also vote up questions to the top. So we just take the, the most highly voted questions and work our way down the list. Yeah, so go over there and ask a question and vote for other ones. Yeah. All right, let's do it. That's also you can also listen to all of our podcasts on that same page. And you should. And you should. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the questions today. So here you go. You guys ready? Super go ready. On. My, you go ahead. My ass is asleep. I okay. gotta stand up. Seth needs to stand up for a moment. I'll go ahead and ask go the question. Flex your cheeks. <laughs> we'll we'll go from there. Okay. First question from Lucky Strike Guy Two. I don't know what happened to Lucky Strike Guy One. Mm, there's he a story him. there. He died. There's probably some sort of a story there. He wasn't lucky. <laughs> there's no I in Lucky Strike Guy, so it seems unlikely that. Lucky Strike Guy as a normal username was already taken. So for some reason, he's Or it was. Maybe it was. <laughs> but anyway, so he asks, what was your biggest disappointment when you played a game that you had high expectations for and why? Oh, God, don't get me started on Fallout 4 right Too now. Too bad. I want you to get started, ah, on, get started on Fallout 4. I'm so aggravated. It's like there's this, there's this, there's this beautiful garden, okay? Here, I'm going okay. me- to make a metaphor that probably won't work, but we're going to go for okay. it. So... There's this beautiful garden, okay, and it's got this high, you know, it's got this high admission fee. Everybody's been talking about it. I've seen pictures of funny things happening in said garden. It seems like a great place to go and hang out. This and, is a weird garden. You know, I'm like, okay, you know, I, I only have... Wait, are there radishes? There are radishes. There's everything you could possibly want in this garden, right? I mean, like, you've been in a few other gardens like it before that were really fun. Um, I, I can't think of any gardens I've been in that were like this one. But the, I mean, well, that's where the <laughs> disappointment comes from. So, so you know, you, you you pay, you save up some money, and you're like, okay, I can only go, you know, I only have like a certain amount of money to there go to these gardens. There are only a few gardens I can go into at any at any time. Yeah, and this would have to be one of the more expensive ones, but you're like, okay, you know, everyone's talking about it. The rave is huge. There's so much stuff going on. I'm going to go in here. And you, know, you, pay at the, you pay at the door, and you notice when you pay that like even just the front gate, the front gate to get into the thing isn't really lubed up very well. Okay, so you pay. So it's like a creaky hinges. Yeah, and you go and you're like you're pushing on this gate but door. But does that just to add character or does it take away from the? Experience? Uh, it didn't add character. I'm just gonna say it did. Okay. I mean, this this is squeaking like. <laughs> you know, it's not like 
We're not and talking also about. Also, you uh, you scraped yourself on the gate and got tetanus from it. Yes, yeah, so it's, te- it's instantaneous tetanus. It's a tetanus riddled screamer of a gate, and you push it open, and you're like, okay, but I'm in this garden now, so like maybe that was just a fluke because gates are hard to maintain. Sure. And plus, everybody's been talking about it. So. Everybody's been talking about the garden, not about the gate. We'll move on from that. So you go walking in, and like the path on, like you're trying to see all these beautiful things that they built, these beautiful sculptures and these hedges and stuff. But, like, just the path that you're walking on is just the dumbest path. You just, like, it's uneven terrain. There's spikes sticking out of it on occasion. (laughs) Rusty nails. Rusty nails. It's like someone just, like, shit all over the path. (laughs) Actually, someone did shit all over the path. Someone literally shit on the path. And at one point, you step in it. Yeah. (laughs) At one point, you step in it. And then you have to, like... walking around with shit on your shoes. Yeah, you gotta go and take off your shoes and, like, start back, you know, earlier in the gate because you had a shit-stepping moment. Uh, which in my case in Fallout 4 was I sat down at a computer console to hack it and then stood up and my character was just falling. I mean, I was standing on the ground, but he was falling. <laughs> and so I couldn't do anything. And I, it, was a, it was a buggy, it was, bug-induced Yeah, problem. and I was like, how the fuck, how, what? Before you continue on this, I want to throw in another bug that I I haven't played it yet, but I watched my wife play it. And at some point she tapped my shoulder and was like, and just pointed at her screen. And there was a cat, a live cat, which is cool that they have cats in, the, in this version of the game. And there was a live cat just sitting on a desk and it had a newspaper just inside of it. Like, <laughs> like a, you know, a horizontal flat piece of paper, just like effectively sort of cutting the cat in half, but not actually cutting it in half. The cat was fine. It just had a newspaper just stuck through its middle. <laughs> it's actually walking a, around with a newspaper. Yeah, it, was, it was a little bit immersion breaking. It's a common denizen of the uh, wasteland, you know. Yeah, radioactive cat. newspaper cats. <laughs> paper cat. Uh, but yeah, so you know, you walk through this garden, and like you've been there now for maybe four hours, and you're actually just confused at this point because not only you know was it kind of bumpy getting in, but while there's so much cool stuff that you could go explore, the process of going to explore it is so clunky and. And covered in shit. Because when you're exploring this garden, Mm -hmm. you have to keep on putting little pebbles in your pocket. Oh, yeah. Yeah, That's the other thing, right. So, well, I mean. Your pockets are little. And then after a while, your pants explode. Your pants are just fucking full of pebbles. (laughs) You're like, I guess I better go back to my pebble deposit. Right. Yeah. You can only walk around through the garden for eight seconds before you got to take a trip back to Pebble Town. So, yeah. It's becoming less of a metaphor and just a weird description. (laughs) Well, my point, I guess my point with Fallout 4 is that there's so much. Like fantastic content, and I'm serious about that. Like the locations are super cool. The ones I you know, I got to, the stories are fun. Um, like the characters, at least at first blush, seem interesting. There's lots of stuff going on in the world, but literally the interaction to get you there is so clunky that it is just shocking. I mean, like my fucking, I turned on the dialogue subtitles, right? So I can read the text quickly as opposed to having I to listen to the same talk. experience, by the way. And I know what you're going to say. Yeah, it, God damn it. Like, every time when I would be talking to someone, first of all, that, that, that camera that they use for the cut, for like the dialogue cutscenes is so damn weird. Where, like, it, it doesn't, it, you control it somehow with your mouse. And usually that means that the other character is, like, out of, out of the screen. He's just out of yeah. the frame. And so you're not looking at this person. And then. What happens with the subtitles is you'll click to you know move move the text forward, but the subtitle text will stay as it was pre as for the previous piece of conversation. So you can't actually read the next piece of, of the story because of this bug, which seems like frankly a very easy to find and fucking enormous bug. To have yeah, I had a, actually about- had a problem where there was one particular phrase that some random character said as I was like walking past, 
And then that replaced all of my subtitles <laughs> forever. And so every time I talked to somebody, it would just like say this random ass thing, the same thing every time, no matter who was talking, where I was. I tried restarting the game, saving and loading. I tried going to a new zone and talking to a new set of characters. Nope. Just now. Na- whoops. Right. Sorry. I just ripped out of zero, buddy. And like, I mean, <laughs> and as, so as a dev, I mean, like I'm, I'm totally, I can put up with bugs for days, but but it wasn't actually just the bug. I mean, bugs are bugs. It's fine. But it wasn't the bugs. It was that the interactions themselves. Like I said, that camera. Like, whose fucking idea was that <laughs> to make that a mobile yeah, like thing? Their actual design. Their actual them. design. And then, like, the UI, handling the UI for, I mean, the Perks UI is now a completely separate, like, wall of, of these characters, which is weird and comes out of fucking nowhere. And then, like, you access it through your Pip-Boy, but it's not flavored in the same way that the Pip-Boy is. Uh, and yeah, then, so it feels like a menu instead of a interface in your pocket. Yeah, and then you have you have your inventory, which is, as you said, like a tiny pocket just full of boulders that you have to empty every three minutes. And they did great jobs on some of the um, some of the design pieces that moved the game, I think, forward a lot, which is like the crafting system and stuff. But didn't essentially then rewind and update all the other systems to make to account for that, like the fucking inventory system. So so now you have to pick up everything in the wasteland to make progress, but you can't but carry you can't. it. Yeah. But you can't <laughs> yeah. So I, also, I, I was so disappointed. Nobody, nobody can even claim realism on this because people are always like, oh, well, you know, it's not realistic to think that you can carry it. That. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's my Fallout nerd. Yeah. It's pretty good. Um, but the thing is, you can carry 300 pounds of shit before you can't carry anything else, which yeah. if it was really realistic, I think maybe at like 25, 30 pounds, you would, your character would start to sort of like break slow down. down yeah. You know? Slow down. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I'll say for me, my biggest disappointment was uh, Warlords of Draenor, mm. World of Warcraft. I'll use an analogy as well. <laughs> so imagine every night you go bowling with your friends. Okay. You got like you got like fifteen friends, and you got, you just go bowling and you're chilling and drinking and just having a great time every night for like ten years. Fantastic. Okay? And then uh, the bowling alley is like, hey, everybody, we got this fucking sweet new bowling app. <laughs> that that will improve your bowling experience. It's fifty dollars, and everybody's gonna be buying it. And, uh, and you're like, okay, sure. And all your friends are like, fuck yeah, this sounds great. So everybody buys this bowling app, and here's what it does: you open it up once a day, you click a button, and it goes, "You bowled." Here's what your score was. <laughs> and that is how you bowl now. That's your that is your bowling experience. <laughs> and whenever you go to the bowling, if you're like, man, I kind of miss the old days when I actually went and physically bowled. <laughs> uh, when you go to the bowling alley, nobody's there because everybody's at home once per day, clicking on a thing that says, "You bowled." Here's your score. <laughs> uh, that that is what Warlords of Draenor is. That's the World of Warcraft expansion, the latest one. So. Uh. Uh, huh. They just removed the whole game and replaced it with a button, basically. <laughs> pretty big disappointment. That <laughs> so, sounds pretty bad. It's, it's real fucking bad. Uh, anyway, Adam, Adam what, what about you? Actually, I I can't really say that there was a that there was a game that I was super excited about that was then really disappointed by. Mm. I think, and, and I, don't, I I tend to approach games pretty pessimistically in the first place. Like I don't I don't expect a lot um, from them. Uh, but the ones that I get really excited about tend to be, you know, Valve games and, and that kind of thing. And they tend to deliver. Which deliver, yeah. So I haven't played, so I mean, I've been very excited about Fallout 4 and I haven't actually played it yet. So It's probably it's why you haven't been that, disappointed. That, that, that may be my, my first uh, case of that. But I also, I mean, 
I, I can put up with a fair bit when it comes to these kinds of games if the things that I like about them are, are still there and still well done. So like, so Fallout New Vegas, for example, uh, I may actually like more than Fallout 3, but it, there are actually a lot of aspects of it that I just like. I definitely like less than Fallout 3. But over, and but I'm willing to put up with those because the other things they did that are better are better enough that you know that it's then worth the experience. Right. So I'm hoping that for me Fallout Four is the same way. Have you guys found that that just most games that you play now you find somewhat disappointing? Has it been happening? Because like I so I well actually that that was ha- that is, that's been happening to me for a long time until this past weekend when I just I sort of uh, I just took a different approach to the thing where it was just like. I decided just to treat games as exactly what they are and try not to worry about whether they were like good or anything like that. Just, or perfect. Just to, just to play the thing and try to figure out like what the what the dev was trying to do and actually just kind of ignore whether they succeeded. Right. I, I think from a from a like a developer standpoint, it's then worth exploring whether they did succeed and why or why not or su- succeed. Um, but as a trying to play it as a player, just try to think like what is it they're trying to do. And then try to play it from that kind of perspective. And that actually, so I played a bunch of little games and stuff. There were a few that weren't so much, I wasn't so much disappointed by. I was just like, I see what this game is doing. I'm not interested. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, but for the most part, even even those games, and there were a few, like, uh, take, take uh, Pixel Piracy, which I was originally going to talk about in our in our section on games we're playing. So I, I played maybe like seven hours of that uh, a few weekends ago. Hmm. And because I just bought it on Steam for like two bucks. So, you know, wanted to give it a shot. Again, Steam's been recommending it to me for months. Um, it's by the same people who make Terraria. And I like Terraria. And it's just it's just this game that's just, it's like, it's rough around every edge that it could be rough around. Um, <laughs> it's just made of rough. It's edges. made of roughness. But I decided like, so my, my first, you know, 10 minutes of gameplay were really not good. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to kind of ignore that and just really try to figure out how to play this game. And so I gave it another half hour or hour. And then I finally, like, once I figured out how all the systems worked, even though it was harder than it should have been, um, it ended up actually being a fun game to play. Hmm. Uh, and I actually enjoyed the crap out of it. And a- after a while, I felt like I the game wasn't going to change anymore. And so then I, that was the end. But I got a good, you know, seven hours of gameplay out. Pretty good and for two bucks. Yeah. And it, it's I think part of the problem has been that as game designers, what my goal has always been when we talk about the games that we're making is how can we make sure that the player has the best like intro experience into this. They always know what's happening and so on, which I think is absolutely the right developer move. Um, but I started approaching the games that I was playing in the same way as as kind of like what I expected our own players to do, right? Which is to say, anytime the game doesn't make it easy for me to understand what's supposed to be happening, just to be pissed that that the developer fucked up, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> and and then to treat that as like a as a as a thing that made the game bad instead of as a thing that made onboarding into the game bad. Right, the game might still be great. Yeah, the you game just, once you just once have to you figure, figure it out. out. Yeah, so like the developer, you know, failed at making making the game easy to get into, which again like, is, is bad. Like they shouldn't be doing that. But it used to be the case back when you know forever ago when I would play games, like it would be a thing that I saved up money for and I would buy. We talked about this in previous episodes, and no matter what, I would like spend hours trying to figure out how the game worked. No matter how poorly it was presented, how it was supposed to work, right. I would spend hours figuring that thing out. And so but also, I'm trying I mean, to go like back that to was, that mindset. That was the only game that you would have that month. Yeah, exactly. You know? And so, so. It's because of the ease of access to games, <laughs> we've become less patient. Yeah, like I've I realized that a lot of my 
distaste and disappointment of games comes from that same thing, which mm, is that right. I'm not I'm no longer giving them the opportunity to have rough edges. You're just being an entitled boob head. <laughs> exactly. So I tried to stop doing it. And there's still absolutely there are some games that I played as I've been going back through my Steam library to, to play stuff I've never played yet. There's definitely been a bunch of things that people have raved about and whatever that when I got into, I gave it a, what I thought was a full chance, you know, like an hour or two of gameplay. And I was just like, nope. This is this is not this is really not doing what what I think what people seem to think it's doing. I think it's pretty it's pretty hilarious to think though that like when you go watch a movie, a movie is like ninety to one hundred and eighty minutes or one hundred twenty minutes, right? Yeah, and you've seen the whole thing, and that's it. Like you don't need to give it two hours before you decide whether or not to try, like really give it a real yeah, shot. Yeah, and, and there's nothing even under you don't have to. You just sit with it. there and it just does things. It does things at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. But then also That's people weird. don't just walk out of movies like almost even even like if you're watching Netflix and stuff, yeah. there's actually like a, a, a movie has to be pretty bad for me to like get 20 minutes into it and then be like, fuck this and turn it off. It'd be like, really bad. I still bad. do that sometimes, but it has to be pretty damn bad. You know? Yeah. So, like, I'm willing to sit but that's through because a it's so, movie. That's because it's so easy to just sit there and wait for it to get better. Like, yeah. in a game, you have to do stuff. Like, you have to go out of your way and work at it to get through the shitty part, you know? Yeah. It's not going to just get better on its own while you just watch it. <laughs> yeah. So. It gets better by you giving it give, – by putting work into it. Yeah. And I think well, I think there's an interesting article I read on uh, Polygon today by, I think, one of their editors who said his New Year's resolution is actually to play fewer games. And he's making this exact same argument. He's like, yeah, I realized that the most fun I've had playing a game was when I played the shit out of like yeah, one or two. Yeah, when you like, try to complete a game or something. Yeah, like really complete it. And so – he was like, as much as I can, that's basically what I'm going to do this this next year. Yeah, actually try to focus. play play more of fewer games. I think that's a good strategy. I'll be doing something similar, I think. Agreed. All right, I think we got uh, we got time for one more question. One more? All right, let's do it. Uh, so the next question comes from Racing for the Finish, who we haven't heard from in a while. I guess maybe he's been on the bottom of the charts. He's been busy. He's he's uh, an engineer at NASA and stuff. So He's you know, got he's, shit on his plate. Yeah, he's busy. Not, not Ma- real shit. Metaphorical yeah. shit. Yeah, that would be pretty bad <laughs> if he had shit on his plate. One, <laughs> yeah. So he asks, if answered before December 18, what is your best guess as to the plot of the upcoming Star Wars movie? If answered after the December 18, which is the case, uh, what did you think about the plot to the new movie? I loved the plot. We actually just watched it again yeah. yesterday. Um, also, spoiler alerts, I guess. Yeah, so if you haven't watched, we're giving you all kinds of lead time here. If you haven't watched Star Wars, and this is the last part of the podcast, so you just don't you need just to listen to it even anymore listen to the rest. Um, I loved the plot in that it was the same plot as the first Star Wars movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was almost no difference whatsoever. Yeah, uh, it was new characters with the same plot. Which isn't to say it was bad. I thought it was fucking awesome. Yeah, it was great. Actually, because um, it's a great story. So, yeah. sure. They definitely could have diversified the plot. Um, but, I mean, my guess is as to what they're trying to do is to is to basically tell fans who are disappointed in the second trilogy, um, I mean, the second to be released, uh, that, hey, we're going back to the the way things used to be. Like, to me, it was basically one big, like, symbol saying exactly that. And, and literally word for word. Like, word for yeah. word, right back to yeah. the beginning. And so, so, you know, they, so they recycled the plot. They brought in all the same special effects. They brought back every old character that could come, you know, come across, you know, including like Admiral Akbar was in there, or at least something yep. of his species, right? Right. And he even had his fucking whatever line he says in, in this movie. When he was like, I'm, 
their shields something blasters of this magnitude. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> you know, the, the line that everybody has now joked about since that movie forever ago. Yeah, you know, basically they they copied it in there. So there, the whole bunch of it was mostly about making it very clear that they like they know who the fans are. Um, so my hope is just that now in the next movie they say, okay, now that we've sort of established this fact that we're going to try to do it the way everybody wanted it to be. Um, in terms of expanding the Star Wars universe, now we're actually going to do it. And they'll actually go and make new plots that are in themselves interesting and different and, and so on. So we'll see. I mean, I have high hopes for it. And it was certainly, it was very entertaining and very well done as a remake of the first movie. Yeah, I, think I, my... do, I think it's hilarious that everybody's getting really fired up about spoilers for this when they've already seen this movie. Like, yeah. if they saw the first Star Wars movie, they've you seen know, this movie. You know it's, what's going to happen. There's no, there's no surprises here, folks. <laughs> it's the same movie. I do think by... Death Star, they find a weak spot. They blow it up. There's father-son conflict. There's Luke. There's Luke. Who is now a young woman instead of a young man, but still Luke Skywalker. But there's also actual <laughs> Luke who's now an old man instead of a young man. He's Yoda now. He's basically Yoda. Yeah. Well, I think my, <laughs> my favorite part of what, uh, I think what J.J. Abrams does really well for these or whoever, you know, however he directs these things. Maybe it's not him, but whoever the writers are on it. But he tends to do these little sort of one-off humanizing pieces where... Uh, for example, the scene where BB-8 like rolls back and slides out his uh, his thumbs his up, thumbs up, which is a fucking yeah. lighter. That's still um, one of my favorite moments in the entire movie. I still like the best. scene where Chewbacca was getting his like shul- yeah. shoulder wound <laughs> tended to. Yeah, and that that nurse is just like, "Ooh, that must have been very scary." <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, you're you must be so brave." And he just like nods, you know. Right, right. Like, like, didn't need to be there. It didn't advance the story at all. Yeah, but it was just like a funny moment. Yeah, where you get to see more of that character yeah and i think they so jj awesome. abrams tends, he tends to do this i've noticed this in like guardians of the galaxy uh which he did also and and uh with star trek he does a yeah. lot of those actually in most of these movies because i think he understands what maybe most people don't which is that we we always want more of the actual characters right yeah we want to be invested in the characters yeah and so these little character vignettes that literally serve no purpose from a plot standpoint um serve a huge purpose as far as this sort of both the the audience interaction with the characters and then also from from a world deepening standpoint because like seeing chewbacca being treated by a human medic and this sort of like hilarious you know nurse being like yeah you're you're totally fine like this wasn't a big deal and chewbacca being, <laughs> chewbacca being like oh you know um <laughs> it's just a funny thing to see and it adds it suddenly breaks it, it makes it seem like the world's way bigger i guess is what i'm trying to get like it's not it's not just the story that you're looking at but it's also all these yeah, well, yeah, sub the characters aren't hollow things through which a story is. I think it's told. it's like the equivalent of idle text for NPCs in a game, right? Like when they're done talking to you about about the quest that they gave you, you can talk to them again, and they'll have some like goofy thing that they say. You know, right, it's kind of like right. revealing a little bit more about that character or something. Right, these little vignettes, and I think that was actually my favorite part about the whole thing was all those just watching all those sort of stack up because um, I thought they were they were absolutely hilarious, and the amount of work that they do that is totally different from. Like, I thought that was actually the biggest difference, the biggest departure from the original Star Wars, which is, frankly, like, the sort of, the general beat of it is, like, here's a ton of exposition delivered by somebody about what's happening, and then here's a battle scene, and then here's some more exposition. Like, they don't, it's not much of a story from a, like, an interactive point of view. You don't, until the end, you tend to not actually see the events that are the big events unfolding, you just kind of hear about them, or about what caused these things to happen. Um, and so... To actually take that approach where, like, that, that does happen in this movie, which is why I think it feels so much like the first ones. But then to take the approach of adding these little vignettes in, uh, which don't do any of that at all. It's not an action sequence. It's not exposition. It's just there to sort of deepen the character. I think it's a fantastic move. So I, I loved it. That was great. Yeah, I've actually, so I've seen it twice now. Me too. So still, I'm, I may even just see it a third time. <laughs> it's, it's a great movie. 
So, all right, I think we will end on that. Uh, so, everybody, thank you for listening. This has been Coffee with Butterscotch, and we will be back next week, I assume. Presumably. Well, next week we'll be back to work. Yes, so we'll, def- so we'll definitely be back next week. Yeah. Um, and if you want to check out our games, head over to games.bscotch.net. We also have forums over at forums.bscotch.net. And if you want to get your questions on next week's podcast, ask away at podcast.bscotch.net. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Peace. Woo! My legs! <laughs> <laughs>